is the SWBC Mortgage Dallas Cowboys Legends Show. Tony Dorsett has scored his first touchdown as a pro. Broadcasting live from the Cowboys Club at the Star in Frisco. Tony Hill, touchdown, Tony Hill. Brought to you by GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Mahindra. Find your nearest Mahindra dealer at texasmahindradealers.com. And by SWBC Mortgage. You support your team. We support your family, your business. We support you. Now your hosts, Mickey Spagnola and Bill Jones. It's Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, and you know what that means. It's time for the Dallas Cowboys Legend Show from the Cowboys Club at the Star in Frisco, Texas, home of your Dallas Cowboys. I am Bill Jones, along with Mickey Spagnola. Mickey, this is the biggest week of the season for the Dallas Cowboys. Well, it's the biggest game of the season against Tampa Bay on Sunday at noon. That's the way I look at it, right? That's exactly right. Every week is the biggest game of the season, but this really is the biggest game now. You don't want to just prolong this thing getting into the last game of the season and give the Giants a reason to want to play right that's exactly right of course the Cowboys can clinch the NFC East if they beat Tampa Bay there are other scenarios that will clinch the East but we're talking Cowboys legends and we're talking NFL legends this week here on the Cowboys legend show Mickey it is a real treat to welcome into the house a true legend Mike Singletary. Welcome to the Legend Show, Mike. Hello. Great to be here. Thank you. Thanks for doing this. This is great, right? Great to have you here. See, I had to think outside the box. You did think bit. outside the box. And, you know, I'm assuming for Mike Singletary, who lived early on in Dallas and then moved to Houston, you probably grew up somewhat of a Cowboys fan, didn't you? A very big Cowboy fan. Very. Really? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Even while you were growing up in Houston, huh? Uh, absolutely, yes. Because? Well, you know what? I was a huge uh, Roger Staubach fan. I, I thought um, Roger Staubach, um, when you had a quarterback like that, you always felt like you had a chance to win. So uh, I really liked him. I liked his uh, competitiveness. And, of course, um, Leroy Jordan and Bob Lilly, those guys, they were great. Mike Singletary, of course, Pro Football Hall of Famer with the Chicago Bears, College Football Hall of Famer with the Baylor Bears. At Houston Worthing High School, were they the Bears? <laughs> <laughs> no, we were the Colts. The Colts, okay. But grew up in Houston. I actually, born in Dallas, Is that, am I right? No, there? actually, I was born in Houston. Born in Houston, oh, you were. but you okay. lived for a time in Dallas, right? Uh, shortly, yes. Shortly, okay. And then got back to Houston probably. Yes. Okay, All right. very good. Well, it's great to have you here. Have you been here to the Star before? Yes, I uh, was here uh, not long ago with a function for high school. Yeah. So um, that was pretty cool, but a beautiful facility. Right now, uh, Mike Singletary, of course, you, uh, you all know Mike Singletary coached in the NFL as well. Uh, right now, you're uh, the head football coach at Trinity Christian Academy or yes. here in, the, in Addison. And uh, also in the spring, you'll be the head coach of the Memphis franchise in the brand-new Spring League, the Alliance of American Football, the what the Memphis Express, right? Yes. yes so sir. that's filling up your time now, I bet, huh? Oh, yeah. It's been uh, pretty exciting. So how did you get hooked up with uh, Trinity Christian? You know what? It was um, – I, I, I thought um, when the, the jobs were coming out and um, it didn't look like I was going to get uh, the job I was looking for, and um, 
Trinity Christian, uh, they ended up calling me. Uh, the, uh, the AD called me and said, hey, Mike, what are you thinking about us? Well, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he said, well, let's meet. I said, okay. And I, I always wanted, never thought I'd have the opportunity to coach high school football. But it was a great, uh, great scenario, and, and uh, it was set up just right, and um, um, thankfully it worked out. Now, these kids are, what, 14 to 18? Yes, sir. Did they know who you were before they were told <laughs> who you were? <laughs> well, with all of the uh, social media and what have you today, yes, they, they knew who I was. They, they, they can get on YouTube. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So, so what was that like going back and you know getting into a high school scenario and coaching high school kids? It was really great uh, because uh, you had an opportunity to to coach at at that level and the innocence of football and uh, kids that had talent that didn't know they had talent, um, kids that uh, could be pretty special and if they just worked at it. And so being able to be there and help them understand what the possibilities were were i mean that was absolutely a fantastic opportunity it probably uh either learn patience or test your patience (laughs) one of the two test test (laughs) test (laughs) big t yes and how many kids do you have we have seven. Seven kids. So he already learned yeah, patience yeah, right. a long oh, time yeah. ago, oh, Mickey. Yeah. He had right. a football team already, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, tell us about this new spring league. Uh, Daryl Johnston, I know, is the general manager of the San Antonio franchise. I believe they're the San Antonio Commanders. I see him on a weekly basis. He does a, a television show here, uh, Cowboys Insider, that airs on Fox Sports Southwest. And he's been busy putting that team together. And so I know all the rosters are kind of put together right now. And, of course, your team was in the news here in the last couple of weeks because you lost your quarterback, Josh Johnson, uh, or one of your quarterbacks anyway, a couple of weeks ago, signed by the Washington Redskins and leads the Redskins to a victory over Jacksonville this week. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's been an interesting time. And um, I think uh, it's amazing how many football players there are out there that are uh, looking for the opportunity to, to play. And uh, there's still a lot of great talent. So um, right now it's just a busy time trying to put the rosters together. I've talked to Daryl Johnson a couple of times uh, talking about players that uh, either I'm trying to get the rights to or get them to release or however that is. Talking He's a little tough to deal with. Yeah. <laughs> so, Mike, you said you, you kind of start up that first week in January. That first game is February 10th. So you got one month to basically put a football team together, huh? Yes, sir. How, that, that's going to be somewhat of a challenge, right? Oh, it's going to be a great challenge. I, I think that, um, like I said, it's amazing the, the amount of talent that's out there. I think we have a coaching staff that will do a great job of, of uh, helping these guys develop the, the chemistry and and uh, really develop the atmosphere that we're looking for. And uh, we, we should be on our way in a month. Do you think these guys are playing for they just want to love to play football or are they looking for maybe to start a second chance for maybe somebody in the NFL to uh, recognize them? I think both. I think, um, you know, whenever you, you find guys that are still working out and, and uh, they, they've been released from a team two or three years, but they still have the dream. They still uh, carve out the time in their lives to, to one day do it again. And uh, so to be in this situation, they're going to take every advantage of it. And so um, we're, we're hoping that uh, we can do everything that we can to help further their careers 
and uh, take them to the next level. And, of course, a, a lot of the players in the league, uh, fans are, are very familiar with a lot of these players who are college stars as well. I love the, the calendar as, as far as how the league is set up because it, it starting uh, playing games, well, training camp in January, games starting in February, and the season wraps up just prior to when the real NFL offseason yes, begins sir. so they can catch on with an NFL team based on how they play in the spring, right? It's, a, it's great timing. It's a great setup. I, I think uh, the thought process is absolutely fantastic, so um, I'm excited. Did you need convincing to take that one, or did you say, oh, good, this is an opportunity I can keep my hand in coaching? Well, I felt that uh, when I talked to Bill Polian, Bill Polian was the one that uh, called me and said, Mike, you know, I want to talk to you about – uh, this new league. I, I know you want to coach, and I, I think this is a great opportunity for you to, to uh, jump, in, jump in it at this level. Uh, it's a professional team, and, and um, let's see where it goes. Are you interested? So, yeah, let's, let's keep talking. So uh -huh. it sounded like uh, something that I'd really like to do. Talked to my wife about it and uh, felt really good about the opportunity. And it's a great match for your high school job, too, at Trinity Christian, too. Yes. You can coach yes. them in the fall and yes. move on in the spring. Your coaching staff includes coordinators David Lee, who is a, a former assistant coach here on the Cowboys staff uh, under Parcells going back a decade or so. And then uh, Dennis Thurman is your defensive yes. coordinator. Yes. Dennis was actually one of our legends guests here earlier this season. Right. He's I looking forward that. to it, yeah. Yes. So Dennis Lee, that one slipped by me. David Lee. David yeah. Lee. Yeah. David Lee. Yeah. I ran into David Lee. I was working in Jackson, Mississippi, and he was at Ole Miss. Okay. As the quarterback coach. Right. Uh, trying to think of the quarterback. It was something Austin. Uh, pretty good quarterback. And then John Forcade. You might have remembered You're him. He ended back. up with the Saints there for okay. the mid-'80s. <laughs> wow. so, but David wow. Lee wouldn't wait because he was, you know, he was an assistant. Uh, with Bill Parcells at one time, right when they were, at, I believe Vanderbilt. Okay, uh, yeah, that's going way back. Yeah, wow. yeah. And, and then, <laughs> wow. I, so Bill, yeah, Bill went away, and Steve Sloan was the. Yeah, that's right. He, Steve Sloan went to to, to uh, Texas, Texas Tech, right? And Bill Parcells was his defensive coordinator at Texas Tech. Yeah, and he wow. about the same time. You know what? It was uh -oh. about the same time Mike Singletary was playing at Baylor, probably your freshman year at Is Baylor. Is that right? I mean, I didn't you were, that. what, 77 to 81? 80, 87, 80, 81. 81. Yeah. And I believe it was 1977. Parcells was wow. a defensive coordinator at Texas Tech under Steve Sloan. And then he, he hit a good the trail. Year that year too. He hit the trail. With Rodney to get Allison to, at quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. To get the Army, really? right? Yeah. yeah. You know that. Yeah. So how did you get to Baylor? You know what? It was the only school that, allowed, that would allow me to play linebacker. Seriously? It was the only Division One opportunity i had to play linebacker what did they so what was your size coming out of high school um, i said your weight i was 511 it's about 220 okay well, seems, what was wrong with that prototype to me what did they want you to play <laughs> <laughs> well you know what they they had some pretty big guys at the time and and thought um that uh you know most teams thought hey you, you'd be a much better at a fullback or something like that safety or whatever uh-huh but uh no I, I wanted to play middle linebacker and grant taft gave me that opportunity so you got to play for grant taft that's a pretty neat deal yes, there huh very special did you know about much about him until the recruiting process i had no place? idea i had no idea who baylor was all i knew was uh maybe houston and uh, maybe a m or something like that but that's about it you know uh, grant taft of course took over at baylor i believe it was 1973 74 was their breakthrough season 
I believe, with Neil Jeffrey at quarterback, yes. who's the yes. pastor over at Prestonwood right. Baptist. And, um, and then, of course, when Mike Singletary was at Baylor, I believe it was 1980, first 10-win season in Baylor history. Mike was a three-time All-Southwest Conference, two-time All-America linebacker for the Baylor Bears. But the impact that Grant Taft had on you must have been immense. It was tremendous. Uh, he was uh, a wonderful role model, father figure, all of those things. And, um, of course, coming from a broken home myself, it was just um, an absolute um, wonderful time in my life to, to find someone that, that I could really emulate and, and uh, talk to about certain things that young men need to talk about. So it was a great time. And then you end up, what, 1980, you ended up winning the Southwest Conference yes, title? Yes, sir. That was, I, I don't know if they had won it previously or. 74. 74. Yeah. 74 was. Right. right. Yep. And um, when you look at uh, your career at Baylor, um, and I know there was, there was talk, and you actually interviewed for the job at, at, at a certain point uh, about a decade ago, but it, right. but it wasn't right fit for you at that, at that point. Right. Um, was that something that was. When you got back into coaching, was that something that you had, had looked at that, that you thought, yeah, that the college level might be where you would want to coach at some point? You know, for me, when I got back in coaching at the NFL level, um, it, it seemed to be, it seemed to make sense, you know, at the time. Um, college, uh, college is, is kind of a different game. It's more of a fast-paced game. It's more travel. It's more recruiting and right. things like that. So I thought, I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, if, if that's it, but um, when, when Baylor came open, uh, thought maybe the opportunity would um, would present itself. Mike Singletary and at uh, Baylor, remember what the record was for tackles in a game? Mickey, have you heard this? I believe I have. Was How many tackles? Like What's thirty-five? Thirty-five. I, I think multiple times. Thirty-five tackles in a game. Uh, it was really interesting. I, 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 mean, I, I look back at that time and it's like, wow. But, um, yeah, it was. Yeah, was it it, one time against Houston? Well, one uh, time was against Houston. One time was against um, Arkansas. Another time against, I think, Ohio State or something yeah. like that. So, what would you do? Elbow everybody out of the way? Say, I got had, this. Get out of my that, way. He had that Billy Yeoman veer offense figured out. Let's uh, just put it that way. Wow. <laughs> just follow the ball. That, that's it. Just uh -huh. follow the ball. And then I think I saw his totals for his career. There was 662. I thought, I thought Dat Wynn had a lot of tackles yeah. at, at Texas A&M. He had 550 or so. Wow. And then I saw yours. You're like six. 662, something like that at yeah. Baylor, no, it's, it's which was amazing. a record. I'm guessing it still stands. Uh, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Especially since Baylor's at the Big 12 and they don't tackle any. No, I'm <laughs> not. Oh, <laughs> Very good, Bill. Oh. Not Baylor, but my and school too. Oklahoma doesn't tackle anybody either. Uh, you know, uh, two-time winner of the Davey O'Brien Award, too, back when the Davey O'Brien was not the National Quarterback right. Award, but went right. to the top player in the southwest region yes. of the country, yes. I believe. Yes. You ever make it back for the Davey O'Brien ceremony? I have a couple of times. Yeah. I, I've been back. Yeah. Did you but, surprise yourself with the success you had at Baylor, or when, when you got there, you going, okay, I got this? You know, I... Obviously, I, I wanted to be the absolute best that I could possibly be, and so... Um, I, I always uh, set high goals. I always believe that if I had the opportunity, I, I could do it. And, uh, of course, uh, Grant Taft gave me that opportunity, and, and I made the most of it. And, and that's kind of, you know, the story of my life.
All right, we're just getting started here with Mike Singletary. Danny Sarek has a wireless microphone. Those of you in attendance here at the Cowboys Club, surely there are some Baylor Bear fans in the house. Maybe some Chicago Bear fans have filtered in, too. We go down memory lane with Mike Singletary in just a moment here on the Cowboys Legends. Back, back, back to the SWBC Mortgage Dallas Cowboys Legends Show. Broadcasting live from the Cowboys Club at the Star in Frisco. I'm Samurai Mike, I stop from cold. Part of the defense, big and bold. I've been jamming for quite a while, doing what's right and setting the style. Give me a chance, <laughs> I'll rock you good. Nobody messing in my neighborhood. <laughs> I didn't come here looking for trouble. I just came to do the Super Bowl show. Oh, yeah, the Super Bowl Shuffle 1985 Chicago Bears, one of the greatest football teams in National Football League history, went 15-1, and of course, won the Super Bowl that year. And Mike Singletary, our Cowboys legends guest, was the NFL Defensive Player of the Year that year, one of two times in his career he was the NFL Defensive Player of the Year, featured in that Buddy Ryan 46 defense, and what a season that was, and what a Super Bowl shuffle that was, Mike Singletary. <laughs> Mike was telling us, uh, shut that off as we, when he heard that in play. That, that was the voice of Mike Singletary there. You mean you don't listen to it once a month? <laughs> oh, man, I tried to burn everyone I could find. <laughs> that was one of the great, greatest things ever. You, I, I would think you, that verse probably reverberated in your head for quite a while he had just huh? gotten it out of his head and we just put it right back <laughs> in yeah it was a lot of fun to do it uh it's a, it brings back a lot of great memories and we did that video after we lost to uh miami monday night football so that that next day we had to do the video and um a lot of guys were not in the mood to do it obviously but um it was it was great because it really helped us to get focused uh, we got the, the loss behind us, and we, we started thinking about what we had before us and just uh, got back to work and, and left that day after doing the video. We were in a great mood. We are having fun, and um, it was really um, a wonderful thing for us to do. And you guys did it for charity, right? We did. The proceeds? Yes. For Feed the, I forgot. Feed the Hungry. Feed the Hungry. South Side yeah. of Chicago. Yeah, yeah. And what a defense that was. Uh, number one defense in the National Football League that year. Number one against the run. Number three against the pass. And how about playing for Buddy Ryan in that defense? Oh, it was great. Uh, Buddy was uh, definitely before his time. And uh, just did a, a tremendous job of, of having us understand what we had to do in order to win and, and in order to play great defense. So it was uh, definitely a team concept. Everybody had to do their job. And um, Buddy was just very demanding in terms of, of how he went about doing those jobs. So it was, it was great. You know, Mike's career sort of crossed paths with guys here uh, that played or coached with the sure. Dallas Cowboys. Because I, I think your first year, your rookie year, Neil Armstrong was the Bears head coach, right? Yes. And he then eventually came back here uh, as an assistant uh, personnel guy. Uh, and, uh, and, and a great guy, by the way. Oh, yeah, very much so. And, and then Ditka takes over, right? Yes. What was very that? different. What was that? <laughs> I was going to say, what was that like? Uh, he's quite different than uh, Coach Armstrong. Um, yeah. Ditka just brought about a, a whole new level of, of passion and, 
and um, energy and and um, frustration for the players. But <laughs> it was uh, it, it was the best thing that ever could have happened to the Bears. It came at a great time. Uh, he definitely knew what the Bears were all about. He knew the culture that uh, we needed to have there and the vision. Uh, it was uh, it was a great moment for Chicago and, and absolutely for our team. It was wonderful. And for those of you who may need a little history lesson, uh, Mike ended up playing with the Cowboys for what three, four years before he Mike became Ditka, yeah. Mike Ditka before he became an assistant coach and was an assistant coach here for like nine years. Right. I got a feeling not much of Landry rubbed off onto him though. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing about Coach Ditka is. He really tried. He really tried to um, change. I mean, I would go into his office, and he would have 10 books on his desk and, and tapes about uh, how to talk so people listen, how to communicate with love, how to, uh, how to speak uh, encouragingly, and all those things. And any time I walked in his office, he would knock them all off the desk. And say, what do you want? <laughs> I'm busy. So uh, it, it was interesting, but he was, uh, he was a fun coach and uh, very passionate and really brought a lot to our team. I know, I mean, I know you guys won the Super Bowl that year, but what else do you remember most from that season? It seemed like you guys were really a tight team. I don't know from afar. Um, I can tell you that uh, with the Cowboys, uh, I was working at the newspaper here in Dallas, but they kept sending me to Chicago to cover the team because I'm from Chicago and I had a free place to stay. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's what the newspaper was back business was back then. So I got to watch a lot of your games. So the newspaper business hasn't changed a bit. No, it hasn't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's probably regressed. Uh, but I got to watch a lot of your games, cover the games, covered all the playoff games. But it seemed like in that locker room, it was pretty tight. We were a tight-knit group, um, and I, I really believe that, um, you know, Jim Finks was the guy, the, the GM that put us together, and, and he did a tremendous job of um, really collecting a group of guys that just did not want to lose. We could not stand to lose, and, and I think that um, it's very rare that, that you get a group of guys together like we had that that really hold each other accountable. If I didn't do my job, I knew that I was going to have three or four guys in my face saying, "Hey, you, you got to do your job, Mike. We're friends and all these other things, but uh, if you don't do your job, we're going to have a problem." So uh, that was uh, that was one thing that our team had that was great. I'm sitting here looking at the uh, the starting lineup for the 1985 Chicago Bears up front, Mickey. Where you're talking Richard Dent, Refrigerator Perry, Steve McMichael, and Dan Hampton. Your linebackers are Wilbur Marshall, Mike Singletary, and Otis Wilson. Leslie Frazier at, at cornerback, of course, coach in the NFL. Mike Richardson, the other cornerback. Gary Fensick and Dave Dewerson at safety. Pretty stout. Yeah, it was a great group. So I don't know if the word is eclectic, but it was a group of guys that were pretty different. <laughs> Is, I, that's being that's an polite, right? That's an I mean, I covered the 92, 93, 94 Cowboys, but that Bears team, there was some characters on that team, right? Starting with the quarterback, Jim Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, at, at the position that's supposed to be pretty cerebral. Right, and, right. But uh, it, it was just an – he's probably the only quarterback that could have played for Coach Ditka. I mean, I, I think that uh, when you think of Jim McMahon, he was just – he was not afraid. He was not shaken up or anything like that. If he made a mistake, it was like, hey, I'll get it next time. 
And Coach Dicker would be screaming the top of his lungs, and uh, Jim would say, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I hear you, but give me some water over there. <laughs> so it was um, the guys really appreciated him, the team, for the courage that he had to be a quarterback for Coach Ditka, which was very demanding. And then you got to play with Walter Payton. That was an honor. Absolute, um, an absolute honor. Walter was a gentleman. Uh, he was a great teammate. He was fierce, a uh, fierce competitor, uh, pound for pound, one of the strongest guys uh, on the team. Um, but uh, just a, a great guy to play with. Yeah, and he's uh uh, and then you end up winning the Man of the Year award that yes. was named after him. So that must have been doubly special for you. It was great. It really was. Danny Sarek has the wireless microphone. Danny, uh, if you have a question, uh, just find Danny, and Danny's right over here with someone with a question. Danny? I do. Tonight's first question comes from Mike from Frisco. Hey, Coach, I just want to make a quick comment and then ask you a question. The comment is, I think your Hall of Fame acceptance speech was one of the best I've ever heard. And uh, I thought it was very cool how you had your wife introduce you at the Hall of Fame. Thank you. Uh, and then my question is, just of all the running backs you played against, who do you think was the toughest or best running back or toughest to tackle? Wow. Um I, I would put it this way. I, I say uh, Barry Sanders was the toughest to catch. <laughs> um, I think uh, Earl Campbell is probably the toughest to tackle. And I think um, all around in terms of uh, the best running back that I played against, it would be between Earl and, and Eric uh, Dickerson. Um, they, they were great. I mean, every time you hit them, you, you really had to buckle your chin strap twice. Because uh, they were coming. They were low to, to tackle. And I'm guessing they didn't let you tackle Walter Payton in practice? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. Don't even look at it. <laughs> By the way, those uh, two of those names you mentioned there, Eric Dickerson and Earl Campbell. Ezekiel Elliott. Gil Brandt had this note today. He tweeted out, Ezekiel Elliott is on pace to become just the fourth running back since 1932 to lead the league in rushing yards per game for three consecutive seasons, and the other three to do it, Earl Campbell, Eric Dickerson, and Jim Brown did it twice. Wow. So that's, really? some, that's some pretty good company wow. right there. Every time I think I find some great stat, Gil Brandt Gil does you one better. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. How All right. does he do that? Yeah. Oh, well, he's Gil Brandt. Yes, and I know. He, that's why he's going to join Mike Singletary in the Hall of Fame here in a couple of months. All right, we continue with Mike Singletary on the Cowboys Legend Show in just a moment. Back, back, back. back. It's a touchdown. It's a touchdown. Oh, Big Ben struck midnight. To the SWBC Mortgage Dallas Cowboys Legends Show. Broadcasting live from the Cowboys Club at the Star in Frisco. SWBC Mortgage. For more than 40 years, SWBC has been helping people, companies, and financial institutions prepare to win in Texas and across the country. Visit SWBC.com to learn more as we welcome you back here to the SWBC Mortgage Legend Show here at the Cowboys Club at the Star in Frisco. Bill Jones along with Mickey Spagnola and our special Legends guest, Former Chicago Bear great, 10-time Pro Bowler, 8-time All-Pro linebacker Mike Singletary as we take a trip down memory lane with Mike Singletary. And uh, Danny Sarek has the wireless microphone. Let's check in once again with Danny to kick off this segment. Danny? Mike, your next question comes from Greg from Dallas. 
Hello, Mike. Um, full disclosure, I'm a, I'm a huge Cowboys fan, but uh, growing up, I uh, served in the Canadian military. You have hu a huge fan base in Canada, by the way. And uh, this roommate was a hardcore Chicago Bears fan. They would wow. brag about how great Mike Singletary was. And so my question to you, and actually it's his question to you, because I, I, I texted him before I came here. He wanted to know, uh, based on the defense, the amazing defense you played in, and what you're seeing right now, do you see glimmers of um, this Chicago defense coming back to, the, I guess, the greatness that you once played in? Well, I, I think what I see now, I, I see a hunger. Uh, they, they've got some playmakers on defense. Uh, Khalil Mack is just playing out of his mind, and I, I think um, the rest of the defense is, is chiming in. I think he was uh, sort of like um, a match that uh, just, just created a spark when he got there, the way he played. And when you have great players, it, it sparks other players to play great. Um, and so I, I think that's what's really exciting about the Bears' defense and the Bears' team. And, of course, the Bears uh, clinched the division uh, for the first time since 2010 uh, this past uh, weekend. That brings back some fond memories for you. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's really great to see. It's great for Chicago. I'm, I'm excited for the city and the team. Uh, it's, it's been a while. They've been through some tough years. And um, to see them excited, and, and it's the way they're winning games, uh, playing great defense and, and controlling the ball and doing smart things on offense. So it's a great combination. And with a young quarterback, right? Yes. yes. Which is usually a hard thing to do. Absolutely. But um, – like I said, when you're, when you're playing great defense, it, it allows you to, to keep your quarterbacks at bay. You know, they don't have to do risky things, silly things, and get the team in, in trouble. So um, that's a good thing. Something about the city of Chicago, when sports teams do well in Chicago, they, it just kind of goes to another level in that city. And, and, <laughs> and in fact, your teams back in, and we talk about 1985 and winning the Super Bowl and so forth, the whole De Bears deal uh, from, from that era, I mean, that caught on with the entire country. It was, it was remarkable uh, just how that team caught on with, with America. Well, it was, uh, it was an interesting time, and, and um, we definitely had some, some guys on that team that were, wow, uh, just <laughs> their, their character, their thought process, the, the things they would say. Uh, it was pretty crazy. I mean, it started with Fridge and, and of course, uh, McMahon and, uh, then Walter and Steve McMichael. I mean, the list goes on and on, but um, it was definitely a very special team. I mean, I'm looking at, at the scores of the games from 1985. And of course, everyone here remembers the game at I Texas Stadium. I remember one try, of them. Try to forget them. Uh, try to forget that one, which was 44 to nothing. And the next week, you beat Atlanta 36 to nothing. But in the playoffs that year, there were two shutouts, uh, 21 nothing and 24 nothing shutouts, and then beat New England 46 to 10 in the Super Bowl. That defense had to be one of the best defenses in NFL history, just and especially doing it when you did it in the postseason as well. Well, it was, um, like I said, it, it goes back to, to Buddy Ryan. I, I think that um, we were talented, uh, but, but I think uh, Buddy really uh, instilled excellence in, in all of us in terms of, of how to go about playing the game and uh, the way we had to play together, and and uh, it was definitely a, a team effort every time we went out, and everybody had to do their job. If somebody did not do their job, you're going to hear it from your teammates way before it got to Buddy. 
So uh, that's what uh, made that team really special, the accountability that we had amongst each other. You know, you, you look at this year in the NFL, and especially the first half of the year especially, quarterbacks, there were, there were more 300-yard passing games than I think we've ever seen. We're getting into December now, and defense is starting to take over again. We, don't, we haven't seen 54-51 games in December. <laughs> in fact, of course, the Cowboys got shut out in Indianapolis the other day, but the, the scores are, are lower. When you look at what's happening in football with the offenses today, what, what, what do you think, uh, not only on this level, but it's a trickle-up effect from college on up to the NFL now with the, these offenses? Well, I, I just think that, um, you know, the rules of the game continues to change the game. Uh, it, it's really interesting how you, when you begin to think about safety and you think about the whole concussion issue, you think about uh, the value of uh, what quarterbacks are making at the NFL level and, and how that um, really trickles down to the fans and how many people come to the games when you're not doing well. So it all goes together. I think some of the rules that they're making are good rules, um, and, and there are just a few of them that are just kind of um, need some help. Uh, but as far as the game itself, I, I think that um, we, just have to, we just have to figure out that, hey, defenses do win championships, and uh, that is important. And uh, we just have to keep continuing to, to find ways to win on defense. Do you see some of the teams using the principles of that 46 defense even today now? Or have people gotten away from it? Um, I, I think people have tried to do it through the years. Uh, but it's, it's a defense that you, it really requires a lot of discipline. And, um, you know, in today's game, sometimes you, you don't find that type of discipline. Uh, but really, it, it, if just a few things are off, and then the 46 looks really bad. So um, it comes down to the team concept and unselfish players. So uh, finding that many guys that are unselfish and playing together and, and playing to win, uh, it's tough to find. So help me with my history. When did Buddy Ryan get to the Bears? Was he there already when you got there, or did he come afterwards do you remember um he came with neil armstrong I oh think. he did okay yes. so they, he they came from minnesota together i believe okay all right so what did you think of that defensive style when you got there because i'm assuming you probably hadn't been familiar with it playing at, at baylor well uh when i first got to chicago there, there really wasn't a 46 uh we were playing a base four three and we played over and under and that was pretty much it and actually uh, Buddy had kind of discovered the 46 a couple of years before I got there. All the linebackers were hurt, and he had to use DBs uh, as linebackers. So that's kind of how the 46 came about. And then that year, um, when I started asking Buddy, what can we do to, to make our defense more simpler? He, he, um, he just kind of started, we started playing the 46 a bit. And uh, along with the over and under and, and our, the chemistry of the team really fit the 46. Uh, we had great guys up front. We had linebackers that could run and cover. And we had DBs that um, had good hands and, and uh, good instincts. And it really fit the 46. And, and that's kind of what you have to do in the 46 defense. Named after Fensick's number? No, actually, Who was Doug, it? Plank. Doug Plank. Doug Plank, yes. that's right. Yeah, okay. 
Very good. You know, you talk about discipline in the 46 defense. When I think about Landry's flex defense, and I, I talked to Randy White about it on a regular basis, he, uh, you know, he would get frustrated as a defensive player because there were certain things he had to do to fit the you know, that Landry wanted him to do in the flex defense. And he, and that was a key to the success of the doomsday defenses of the 60s and 70s. Well, I think uh, when it really boils down to it, uh, all great defense is about discipline. And uh, all great defense start up front. And if the guys up front are not playing, I don't care how good the linebackers are. I don't care how good the DBs are. I don't care how fast they are. Um, if the guys up front are not playing disciplined football, it's going to be a trickle-down effect. And before you know it, the safeties and the cornerbacks have more tackles than linebackers, and that's not a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I looked up. You, it looks like you played with the Bears. You played the Cowboys six times during uh, your time there. Uh, how did Ditka, did Ditka look at that game any differently because he was going up against Landry uh, in the 80s? Uh, did he? And I, and I was wondering how he reacted after you beat him 44 to nothing. I, I think Coach Dicker had such admiration and respect for uh, Tom Landry, very much like uh, uh, how I felt about Coach Tav. Uh, Tom Landry had definitely had an effect on him, a major effect. So when we played the Cowboys, it, it wasn't something that Coach Dicker really thought about, but we knew how much he wanted to be uh, uh, the Dallas Cowboys team. And he always said, you know, in, in order for us to be considered a great team, we have to beat a great team. And um, I think we lost to Dallas more than we beat Dallas, uh, my time uh, at Chicago. And um, it, really, it, it really said something when we could go out and beat the Cowboys. Because I think at one point you beat them three times in a row, but the early uh, they, were beating, they were beating you guys, and then they – they broke that streak in that 91 playoff game at right. Soldier Field. Yes. You remember much about that? That oh, was kind of nor yes. the end of your career, but yes. you played one more year. But uh, the Cowboys were just kind of an upstart team at that point. They were an upstart team, but um, they were a team to, that was discovering who they were. And um, there was an identity there um, that they came to uh, Soldier Field with. And, um it was a tough game. They, they ended up winning that year. 17-13, I believe it was. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we continue with Mike Singletary on the Cowboys Legends Show in just a moment. Back, 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 back. It's a touchdown. It's a touchdown. Oh, Big Ben struck midnight. To the SWBC Mortgage Dallas Cowboys Legends Show. Broadcasting live from the Cowboys Club at the Star in Frisco. This is the Dallas Cowboys Legends Show. I want to tell you about Fans United, where you can find game day gear for every Cowboys fan. Visit shopfansunited.com to find a location near you. Bill Jones with Mickey Spagnola and former Chicago Bear and Baylor Bear great, the Pro Football and College Football Hall of Famer Mike Singletary. Our last segment here at the Cowboys Club at the Star in Frisco. And Danny Sarek with the wireless microphone. Questions from the crowd here. Hello, Danny. Guys, it would not be a weekly radio show without our question. From Frisco, from Frisco. Hey, Mike. Uh, so my company, we're out of Chicago. And I want to tell you, every, all the people in my company in Chicago, 
there was never a better defense in the history of the NFL than your team in 85. But uh, what did you have anybody that you felt like mentored you or you, that really helped you out up there? And it's hard for me to believe anybody could mentor you, but uh, and was who was who was the guy that was your connection on the team on the defense? Was there somebody that special that really uh, you attributed some of your success to? Well, I, I could I could honestly say this: when I was at Baylor, um, Corky Nelson, yeah, was my uh, linebacker coach and uh, defense coordinator, and. Um, I didn't like him because <laughs> I, I thought he was trying to kill me. I mean, he every day he worked me so hard on the fundamentals and going back and forth over the bags and all of the skill developing in a linebacker. So um, when I left uh, Baylor and I got to Chicago, I just continued to work on those techniques and skills that he had taught me and I would attribute the success that I had to Corky Nelson. Absolutely. He was, uh, he was an absolutely amazing coach. Um, so, yeah, that, that's who I would give it to. And Corky Nelson would later go on to be a head coach at North Texas. No, I think uh, I thought I remember I was going to ask you in North Texas, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Passed away a few years ago. But, uh, wow. How about growing up? You mentioned early in the show about uh, being a Cowboys fan. Any any linebacker in particular that uh, that you kind of emulated or, or looked up to growing up that, that you can kind of look at what you became as a college and NFL player if you look back and say, you know what, he was the kind of a guy that I looked there up were, to. There were a few guys that uh, I looked at. I looked at Willie Lanier. Willie yep. Lanier was a guy. Dick Buckus was a guy. Um, of course, Leroy Jordan um, was a guy that uh, those guys I, I looked up to and and really studied them and watched their games and um, uh, they really helped me to to kind of look at look at the game through their eyes and see what they were trying to read and so th those were the guys that I watched. What uh, what traits do you think you had that made you what you were as a, a Hall of Fame linebacker? Um, I think uh, the one trait that, that I would say uh, that really helped me was I, I, was, I had a desire. There, there was a desire to make every tackle. Um, and I really, every time I played, I, I really strived to make every tackle. Um, and that's what I tried to do. That was my desire. Of course, the, the uh, classic NFL films footage is your eyes. Uh, were you surprised when you when you look and and, and see that how cl the close ups that they would have on your eyes that your eyes would would be like that during the course of a game? <laughs> well, yeah, it was uh, it was interesting, kind of how that developed. I mean, I've had guys ask me uh, during my career when I was playing the game, "Hey, Singletary, what are you taking?" <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not taking anything. No, no, what what are you taking? I, I want some of that stuff. Said, I'm not taking anything. Oh, so you're not going to tell me? <laughs> I'm not taking anything. But uh, uh, for me, I was really trying to. Um, see everything in front of me. I, I started with the guard and the center, 
And, and then I went from the garden center to the tackles, and, and then I went from the guard center tackle to the tight end and then the wideout. So, so your eyes are going to get pretty wide yeah. open if you yeah, they're going to see all <laughs> yes, that. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. But, so but that's what it came from. There's a couple linebackers here that have some of those traits. Sean Lee, uh, such a student of the game, and now they've got a young kid that – I think he wants to make every tackle, Leighton Vanderish. I don't your thoughts on seeing those guys play. Um, I, I think it's always exciting when when you see linebackers um, not just play with their ability, but to really go out and 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 take it all in the mental aspect of the game. Um, and I, I think as a linebacker, you really as a football player, but particularly as as a linebacker, and particularly as an inside linebacker. Uh, it is so important that uh, the preparation that you put in place, uh, all of the little notes and the little keys that you have to have in order to go out and, and, and play a great game. Any any current linebackers that, that you like watching? Well, I, um, I, 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 study, a, I study a few of them. Um, but um, right now, I, I think when I watch Dallas, I'm, I'm watching this young kid in the middle begin to develop. I, I, be, I think he's beginning to see the game in a different way. Now, um, are you talking Jalen Smith, Smith or Leighton Vander Esch? Vander Esch, yes. the, the rookie. Yeah. Uh, the Smith kid, I like right. watching him play too. Right. He, he's right. an athlete from right. the outside. Um, but I, I really like uh, the fact that, that it seems like he's trying to take his game to another level, and, and I hope he continues to do that. Now, there was – Comparison is probably too strong of a word, but when he was drafted, you know, he's got the build of an Urlacher, okay, and in that defense, you know, and he, and he has shown signs of it during his uh, rookie season. Do you, do, you, do you see some traits there that remind you of that Chicago Bears linebacker? Um, I would say this, you know, before I start comparing him to, right. to guys, you know, because Urlacher is an all, right. uh, all pro and Hall of Famer and all of that, um, I, I just hope that he can continue to develop and uh, just continue to, to work and, and hone his craft. Um, and people don't start trying to make him something that he's not. Let, let him just continue to take his steps, and um, he'll get there. He'll get what, there. What's so impressive he, about him, one of the things that's impressive about him is making the transition so quickly, really with just one year of college football under his belt. And I don't know if you're familiar with his history. He played eight-man football in Idaho. In high school. <laughs> well, I, I think that's pretty cool. And I'm sure there are some advantages of playing eight-man football um, and uh, being able to transfer that into playing 11-man football. So um, I, I'm just excited to, to see him playing. He and uh, the other linebacker, 54, playing at the level that they're playing at. I'm, I'm just hoping that they can continue to grow and, and build. You know, Mike, it, it, it's kind of uh, it's amazing, uh, the Cowboys, the Bears, the mystique of those franchises at middle linebacker. I mean, you follow, you know, and, and the guy, Erlach follows you, and here with Leroy, and, you know, the guys that played linebacker here in middle linebacker, it's pretty amazing. You probably got to appreciate the fact that you were part of that lineage. Yeah, it, it is. It, it's, um, you know, I remember when I first got to Chicago and I met Dick Buckers for the first time. Uh, really special. So um, just continue to to build that legacy and early like I'm very proud of him and now some of the young guys going on well it's been special having you here on the Cowboys Legends show I'm glad Mickey has branched out and <laughs> and 
Got a Chicago Bear hey, There's a lot us. of Hall of Famers in this city. We just got to unearth them, you know. Oh, yeah, Hopefully exactly you'll right. stay for a while, I mean, in, in Dallas. So continue uh, yeah. coaching at uh, Trinity of Christian. Well, we'll see. Okay. All right. Well, All good. Right. Well, it's good to have you here. We Appreciate had Mean it, Joe Green earlier in the season. Now wow. Mike Singletary. So it's a Hall of Fame cast of NFL legends. Mike, uh, Merry Christmas. Happy uh, holidays to you and your family and for all of you out there as well Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays we will be back next Wednesday the next Wednesday the next Wednesday <laughs> and the next Wednesday they, for they the shut, Cowboys yeah, there Legends you go. Show yeah. there you go thanks for joining us